sisters, welcome back to She Is Becoming. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find our episodes on culture, doctrine, church history, and more on whatever podcast platform you typically use or on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. Make sure that you follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you can get notifications when we post a new episode, which is every other Monday. And make sure that you are following us on Instagram at She's Becoming Podcast so you can engage with us and catch additional additional episode resources. Well, I am your co-host Delaney here in the studio with my co-host Bev. Hey, Delaney. I have a question for you. Yes. What is it? Is it hard? <laughs> yes. What is 1 million divided by no, 375,000? No, I no, uh uh-uh. I I almost flunked algebra. You can't even ask me a simple math question. Honestly, same. I can, I can figure a discount in a store pretty good. Oh, hey, it. you asked me that for that 20% <laughs> off and I'm like, I can figure that immediately. And I'm a whiz. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there <laughs> we go. Well, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, what has God been saying to you lately through um, your study of his word? Oh, well, when I see all the wars and rumors of wars mm-hmm. in the nation and on the world right now, yeah, I remember Christ's words that this is going to happen in the world. Yeah, um, it is inevitable when you have societies who are sinful and um, with the sinful mankind going after each other. And but what I'm really, what's giving me hope and helping me to sleep at night really is the sovereignty of God. I have to go back to that. I remember 9-11. That's all I thought about Yeah, and was on my knees praying. You know, I, I feel the world is spun out of control, but God is on his throne. And yeah. we just had that from Revelation. God is a living God. He's mm-hmm. on his throne. He has not surrendered the world to hatred and evil, and he has not. And that he does have the ultimate plan, and the ultimate plan is good and I just trust that. I. It's like you have to trust. Mm-hmm. Um, when times get dark, like it's right now, um, you just have to trust. So if you want to sleep at night, if I want to not be filled with anxiety, I have to totally keep my eyes fixed on him and his sovereignty and his goodness. Yeah. And being, and being in Genesis and Revelation like that, like this, you know, this year and Wednesdays or whenever you do Bible study and Sunday mornings has really done that for me too. Good. Of like thinking about Genesis 3.15 and then thinking about Revelation, what, 4, where God is on his throne. I mean, that has, that has imprinted into my mind too of like, yeah, God is on his throne. He is in control. He is. He is. Like, I mean, we can do what we can do, and we should be praying. Absolutely. And anything else, any practical ways that we can be helping or giving, go for it. But ultimately, ultimately yeah. we, we know, we feel weak. We feel our own uh, inability to control circumstances. And uh, if you do not know God and who he is, not only that he's in control, but that he's a good God, mm-hmm. and that he does have a good plan for the ultimate outcome of the world, mm-hmm. I, the despair would overtake me. Yeah, there's where is where is your hope? <clears throat> exactly, exactly. So, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I've got to say we are going to be talking about a topic that can give you tremendous hope and strength yeah. in your life, um, and it's it's something it's he is something. <laughs> yeah. That um, not an it we uh-huh. know. It's about the Holy Spirit today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit can be our encourager, our strength, 
our uh, comfort in so many ways, but we need to know who he is, first of all. We need to acknowledge him. We need to know if if we are really tapping into his presence in our life or mm-hmm. are we denying him by maybe what we're doing or what we've said. Mm-hmm. So this is an important topic. We're going to be talking about um, the Holy Spirit is often the most mysterious person in the Trinity, Father, mm-hmm. Son, and Holy Spirit. A lot of times people called him the Holy Ghost years ago, which really yeah. made him ghostly and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, just you couldn't Although understand. I like to pull out Holy Ghost sometimes. Do I you? do like that. Do yeah, it's, <laughs> hey, it sounds all right, awesome. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Back to King James. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several verses about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, Delaney, and our relationship to him that is often so worrisome to Christians. We're going to tackle these three verses that are Hard to sometimes understand. Gee, could it? It's it's really sinning against the Holy Spirit in three different ways. Mm. Woo! Do we do that? That's, yeah, that's kind of scary to think that we might be guilty of this, right? Uh, or we can think we're guilty of it, have some kind of false guilt into regard to these scriptures, or be guilty of offending the Holy Spirit and not even be aware. So we're going to dive into the harder verses about the Holy Spirit today, and then we're going to end on um, some scripture about the Holy Spirit that is a very real way to experience him in your life, and that is in to resist sin. Yeah, He is there for us. Yeah. We are not helpless victims. If we are a Christian, we have power over sin, not in ourselves, right. but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's where we're going to end with this. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good. But first, let's look at these, these verses and what the Holy Spirit is. So let's start with who he is and what he does in our lives. He always was and is... The Godhead, in the Godhead, and was there at creation. The Spirit was above the waters. In the Old Testament, we read of the Holy Spirit coming upon people for special work. Then in the New Testament, we have greater clarity and experience with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin before we are we were born again and after as believers. So he does both, can, brings us to Christ, and then convicts us when we are sinning as a believer. He gives us spiritual life and freedom from guilt and the punishment of sin. He assures us of that. The Holy Spirit indwells us upon conversion and seals us securely, eternally, in a relationship with God. I love that, mm-hmm. that I've got this assurance in me. Yeah. That cannot be shaken because it's of the Spirit of God in me. Of the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth about God and about ourselves. The Holy Spirit empowers us to serve God, to be his witness. He gives us spiritual gifts to us for the common good of the church. He's also called our comforter, our encourager, our guide. We abound with hope when he is within And then we have the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? Which will increasingly be present in the Christian. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and Mm self-control. The Spirit sanctifies us to be more like Jesus as we are surrendered to him. We are to live by the Spirit, which means consistently interacting with him. The Holy Spirit gives us power to turn from sin. This important point is where we're going to conclude today. And the Holy Spirit is so vital in the lives of Christians. So now with that background on who the Holy Spirit is, we're going to look at one of these three verses that can be troubling for us as believers and how he works in our lives. The first one is in Matthew 12, 31. 
and this is how this reads. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Mm. Now, the context is important here. There was some demonic activity that Jesus was addressing, and the religious leaders were attributing uh, Jesus's power over the demonic to be demonic in itself. So this so is, they were this saying the Jesus context. was demonic. Exactly, yeah, sure. exactly. This sin is committed by unbelievers, this slander against the Holy Spirit, the blasphemy. Mm. It's sometimes referred to as the unpardonable sin. This is a sin only only unbelievers commit. I'm going to say that again. This is a sin only unbelievers commit. Christians or believers, when convicted of sin, can always repent and be restored. That is a thank you for making that really clear. It needs to be very clear yeah. because I think you know we can get these false ideas about what this really says in Scripture, and it can undermine our faith. In and, a big way. And I think sometimes like we get really fearful of like, what if I accidentally do this? Exactly. And then I'm like, it, no, that's now, not how that's it works. That's why yeah. we got to address these verses totally. that can be troubling. Now, unbelievers will stubbornly resist any conviction yeah. of sin. And this resistance that's from the Holy Spirit is perpetual throughout their life, becoming eternally doomed to judgment then and to hell. Mm. Yes, I'm using the word. Yeah. Well, we need but to be clear. The, yeah. We need to be clear. And if somebody's headed for a cliff, I need to warn them. Absolutely. Yeah. It's loving. Believers, however, when we're convicted of their sin by the Holy Spirit, this awareness leads us, hopefully, to understand that you need to get right with God. This is not the person who has blasphemed the Holy Spirit. If you're worried if you've sinned against God, you are not blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Right. You are responding to his conviction. Right. It reveals that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. The unpardonable sin, then, is really rejecting Christ as your Lord and only Savior. This is what the religious leaders were doing. They were rejecting him. It's rejecting the one hope God has given us for forgiveness of sin and a restored relationship with him. Listeners, if you have rejected the repeated witness of the Holy Spirit showing you your sins, pointing you to Jesus Christ who died to take care of those sins, you are in grave danger of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, Billy Graham wrote about a situation with his dad. He went, his dad, Billy Graham's dad, went to a revival meeting, and he, the preacher was talking about this verse, and his dad took it that he was committing this sin because he had sins still in his life as as a Christian. So he, he was convinced of this. Um, and, but what happened is it took years, but the spirit, he finally realized that when the spirit was striving with him, showed him that the spirit was indeed within him and that he was giving him the assurance he had lacked for so long. Mm. So actually the, the dilemma and the conflict that he felt in his soul helped him know that the spirit was present. Did it give him like, like a piece of like, of yes. the striving or what was this kind of well he had he it, he just came to the to understand and from teaching and years passing that he wouldn't have the conflict in his soul over sin if he wasn't right. responding to the holy spirit right so that that conviction and that that tension was evidence for him evidence that he was not blaspheming the holy right. spirit right and that i mean that's true in my life if even in times where i have like been not following the lord i've looked back and like was i even a believer like thought about that yeah and the i i always remember like the fact that i felt conviction over what i was doing is evidence to me that I was saved then. Yes, absolutely, Delaney. Thank you for the 
personal illustration too. So, uh, have you been held in fear of committing this sin? Mm. We need to talk about this. Um, the fact that you fear sinning against God is a confirmation that the Spirit is at work. Right. God has promised in His Word, the Bible, that believers have had their sins have been removed as far as the East is from the West. So far has removed our transgressions from us. So those who are not sure where you are, if you have committed this sin or not, you can do something about that today. Right. Receive Christ today. Even if your whole life you have been closed book to the conviction and the draw of the Holy Spirit and God's Spirit, it's one and the same. Today, today, he may be working, drawing, and wooing you to Christ. Do not resist. Scripture says today when you hear his voice, respond to the offer of salvation no more delay. Yeah. May today be the day of salvation. Absolutely. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Cause I have also wondered about that quite a bit and used to get in some, um, debates in high school about I the pardonable sin, yes. Yes. knowing me, but I don't know that I really even understood it at that point. Yeah. So thank you for yeah. sharing. <laughs> well, the second verse about the Holy spirit that uh, really kind of worries us sometimes is found in the Bible in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the very first thing that we notice when we read this this Ephesians 4, and it's kind of towards the end of the chapter, uh, chapter 4, but the first thing you notice is that this warning is written to believers. This is a warning to those who have received Christ and have the Holy Spirit living within them already. So only believers have been sealed for the day of redemption or, you know, are secure in eternal life. That's what that means. And that's, that's that last words in that verse, right? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it means you're secured. So what does grieving the Holy Spirit mean and look like? Am I guilty of this? How can I remedy this? Uh, putting this verse in context, the Apostle Paul is really giving instructions on how to live the Christian life, what to avoid and what to do. And Paul begins this part of Ephesians 4 by making some distinctions between those who have received this new life and those who haven't. And in uh, this chapter, he calls them Gentiles, those who haven't received um Christ. First, Paul addresses the futility of the Gentile thinking. He says that they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. That's in verse 18. Second, Paul points out that the Gentiles are callous towards righteousness. They live sensually, greedily. They practice all kinds of impurity. We see that in verse 19. And third, Paul makes comments about more Gentile behavior as he begins to address the believers in Ephesus. He lists, end your lying. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let anger rule you. Don't flirt with temptation. Do not use your words to tear down, but to build up. Put away bitterness and slander and malice. So that's to the Christian now he's writing. Now, yeah. So he kind of starts with these like this this list of like, you know, the secular non-Christ like behaviors and patterns of thinking. And then in verse 22, Paul explains that all of these behaviors are a part of your old self. And that lingers at times, doesn't it? I know that. (laughs) And that's language we hear a lot, like to put off the old self and to 
Put on the new. Be, mm-hmm. Yeah, be who you now are in Christ. And these Ephesus believers, you know, they were ethnically Gentile since they weren't Jewish, um, most likely. But Paul is using really this metaphoric language to say that who they are now in Christ supersedes their identity as Gentiles. And so I love how he uses this 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 language because it's so metaphoric and it's so beautiful the way that he kind of phrases all it this is. together. And so with this language... Paul compares those old self or, you know, Gentile practices with the behaviors of someone who has received new life. The first thing that Paul says to do is to put off. He says, put off these sinful Gentile practices and put on who you are now in Christ. Put on the righteousness and the holy behaviors that they know about and that the Holy Spirit enables them to do. And he also says to be renewed in your mind, change your thinking from this darkened Gentile thinking. I mean, being a Christ follower means that you think differently than the world. If Christ is in us, we should. Yeah, there's a we total have to separation. Be agreeing with God in our thinking, if if the Spirit of God lives within us. Yeah, and so I love how he points out these two things: your uh-huh. thinking and your actions. Yeah. And so not living out who we are in Christ is what grieves the Holy Spirit. Oh, just say that again. Not living out who we are in Christ is what grieves the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so kind of as I was studying this passage, I took a step back to really to really think about this. Because this is a passage I think that we hear a lot. But I'd like for you to imagine, sisters, as you're listening, as I did, imagine that you are watching your life on a movie screen. You watch yourself grow up. You watch yourself sin. You cringe at these unrighteous things that you've said, these things that you've done that you just look back and you're like, oh, why did I do that? You're reminded of the evil things that you've thought, the impure desires that you've had. You watch the sinful things that you've done in secret. And then on this movie screen of your life, you watch as the Holy Spirit woos you into submission to Christ. You see your sin. You watch yourself repent. You watch as your behavior start to shift. Instead of lying, you tell the truth. Instead of hiding sin, you confess it. Instead of having outbursts of anger at your kids or your spouse or your friends or your coworkers, you remain controlled. Now, as you're watching this movie of your life, this would be a pretty good feeling. You know, you've grown. Uh, you love the Lord. Your life has changed for the better. The God has made you new. Now, imagine the devastation of watching this progression of your life climax and then regress into who you were pre-Christ. And that can happen. It totally can. It happened on a kind of regular basis at times, you totally. know, where you are fight in this fight. But this, like watching, I think watching it, like when you're outside of yourself and you're watching it, I mean, that would bring grief to me. Yes. Watching myself revert back to the sinful ways that I had cringed at while I was watching this movie in my life would hurt me. So imagine how the Holy Spirit feels. His grief and his pain as we regress, as I regress back into sin is way more than I could ever feel. Way more. And so when you go back to your old self, you're picking up the chains that Christ has already broken broken for you. And it's a devastating reality. And so this is what Paul is, this is why Paul is warning us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. But this passage of scripture provides it really provides insight into what the Holy Spirit feels when we act like our old self. Yet there is hope in this passage too. The Spirit seals us for the day of redemption. Sealed means that you are marked or set apart. It's a word of security. We are sealed for the day of redemption. We are ultimately sealed from Satan, from hell. And so the Spirit secures our salvation, not what we do. What we do doesn't secure our salvation. And so not only this, but God also reveals clearly 
what we are to do and not to do. We are not like stumbling in the darkness trying exactly. to figure out how do I not grieve the Holy Spirit? Like this has been made really clear to us. And because we're sealed, right? Our salvation is sealed. Then when we do sin, there is hope of like, my salvation is not going away. And when, and he tells me, you know, I get that uncomfortable feeling from sin. Yeah. That's the grieving of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In us. The con- when he brings that conviction in your heart, that yeah. is a good thing. It's a gift. It's yeah. a gift. Yeah. Because if we had no response to that and it, we would just keep charging ahead in the wrong direction. Yeah. yeah. And that, he, that would not be good. Right. So the Holy Spirit is such a protector of us, isn't he? Totally. Well, there's a third verse that's similar to the one that we just talked about, grieving the Holy Spirit. This is an admonition not to quench the Spirit from Mm. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Both grieving and quenching the Spirit is something believers can do. So first, grieving the Spirit. Grieving the Spirit is when we do things contrary to who the Spirit of God is. Grieve is a word we use... um, when affection is present, yeah. we grieve the Holy Spirit. It's a deep word. Yes, and that's just what you were talking about, this grieving pain. Yeah. You know, when your kids do something wrong, you know, you don't stop loving them, but you grieve over their actions. Right, There's right. There's pain in that. So we grieve the Holy Spirit, as you said, in many ways. When we look at anything that is, um, when we look at truth, so anything... The Holy Spirit, it's who he is. He's true. So anything false, deceitful, or hypocritical grieves him. Um, Faith, so anything that is doubt, distrust, anxiety, worry, grieves him. And, you know, that is the sin I I have to constantly be correcting, bringing myself back Mm -hmm. to the Spirit. Uh, Grace, so anything not of grace. So whatever in us that is hard, bitter, malicious, ungracious, unforgiving, unloving, grieves him. Mm Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is holy, Holy Spirit, obviously. Mm -hmm. So anything unclean, defiling, or degrading grieves him. So Delaney, just to add on to your teaching, that's good to think about who the Holy Spirit is and how that is a determinant of how uh, we offend him, how we grieve him. Right. So what happens then in our lives, we can grow silent and we can pause he, he may pause his ministry in our life. Yeah, he grows silent, I think, sometimes when you, at least for me, when I have been ignoring him for so long, you become desensitized to him. You do. You absolutely do. Um, you may feel dry or a little numb spiritually, but this is only his invitation for you to see your sin and to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, when I start to feel like that, I realize, okay, what am I not doing that I should be... It was doing it the first, like right out of Revelation. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I need to go back to that. Right. Why am I feeling like this? Is there some sin that is, his, is causing me to um, silence the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Think about David's sin with Bathsheba, well-known adultery case, right, mm-hmm. in the Bible. Psalm 32 is his repentance and grief over his sin. Listen to his words. Psalm 32, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And he ends the psalm with rejoicing. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to draw us closer to Christ. And he does this drawing us 
in conversion, of course, and he continues this work after conversion as he lives eternally within us. He draws, he convicts of sin so that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. He is in charge of our sanctification as well. And I'm just struck by that language. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Yeah. I mean, that's like intense conviction of the Lord. Yes. Yes. And that is a gift. Yeah. And then he gives us another gift, repentance, that we can repent mm-hmm. of our sin and we can be free from that guilt and yeah. that heaviness upon us. He's also called the helper or comforter. He helps us to follow Christ and he signals us by his grief when we are not. He's our comforter in the re- and he reassures us of his eternal presence and his love in the very act of grieving us. Mm-hmm. That's love. Yeah. It's not love if you just let your kid do whatever they want. No. That's not love. Love is convicting them, helping them to make good choices that will be good for them in their life. It's just another act of grace toward us from God. Now, quenching the Holy Spirit is similar, but it uses a little different imagery. So we've got the grieving. Now we've got the quenching. The Holy Spirit is often depicted as wind or fire. When we quench the Holy Spirit, we are throwing water on him We are hindering his qualities to work in our lives. We want to stay white hot for the Lord and never want to put out that fire that's in us. So how do we quench the spirit? Well, there's several ways. First of all, fire dies out when the material it feeds on is gone. It's kind of like a backburn. So um, if if, uh, the fire of the Holy Spirit is put out in us, you're not you're not um, keeping that flame going. Right. You're not in the Bible. You're not going to church anymore. You've become dull towards right. God. Yeah. And so sin, that, I think, is what also just oh, puts that fire right out. Yep. When we remove the Bible, prayer, community, serving, worship, we are really putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The fire or work of the Holy Spirit will die down. And yeah. like you said, sin is such a big one of that. Another way to put out the fire is to put something on it to smother it. Oof. So our stubborn sin, rebellion, resisting any new way the Spirit may move. You know, you can he can show you a way and a will for your life, but you can refuse it. Right. Then you might be, you know, quenching the Spirit. He can't he can't work in you. Right. It may happen when we seek to live our Christian lives in the power of the flesh um, instead of depending on him, or when the church becomes a business and its leaders are unsanctified, that can quench the spirit in a whole church, or stealing God's glory by taking credit for what God has done through the Holy Spirit will quench the spirit. Well, Bev, would you say that quenching the spirit, does that mean that the Holy Spirit leaves you then? Holy Spirit never leaves the true believer, but Mm. by quenching him, you know, we want him to be a fire in us. Right. Right. We want him to be a blaze in us. Right. Yeah. Uh, Feel him. Yeah. It's the energy. It's the power in our life. Picture that, that blazing fire that makes a steam engine go, you know, that we got to, we have to have that fire. He's the fire behind the fire in our bellies for the Lord. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. But we can quench that. Mm -hmm. So what if you have sensed either a grieving or a quenching of the Holy Spirit, this is a very important observation, which we need to pay attention to. So take some time today to confess and repent of any sin that the Lord brings to mind. Clear the air with the precious indwelling Holy Spirit. Feed the fire of the Spirit by reading and following God's word, the Bible. Pray, have fellowship with others. Get back to church. Serve him. Then 
live your life in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God alone. Then, like David, your joy in the Lord, it will return. Mm, I I know for me, serving is one of those things that really does something for me. Like I always start with confessing, repenting, and then getting in ministry, doing ministry brings up like the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. fire in your belly. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just conclude today with a very important aspect of the Holy Spirit's everyday influence on our lives that is giving us the power to avoid sin. You know, there are many ways that the Holy Spirit is at work in our everyday lives. One aspect of this is through his role as our advocate. I have often heard about the Spirit's work as our advocate kind of one-dimensionally. The Holy Spirit advocates or pleads our case um, or makes a defense before us, uh, before God for us, which is gloriously true. Thank the Lord that he does this. Yes. Um, And then the Spirit does intercede our work and works out uh, as a mediator between us and God. I love that. The Holy Spirit prays for us. Prays for us. He takes our weak, mumbled little prayers and he transforms them into powerful words before God. Thank God. Honestly, thank God. I love it. I love it. And so when we do sin, the Spirit advocates for us positionally before God the Father. Another dimension, though, to the Spirit's work as an advocate is that the Spirit also advocates for righteousness in the flesh for spirit battle within the believer. Like think of a time that you have been tempted to sin um, and maybe like a verse or like a righteous thought comes to your mind helping you not to sin. That is the Holy Spirit advocating for righteousness in our own heart and mind. Love that. Thank God he does that. I love this picture of him as an advocate. And this is where the power of the Holy Spirit is really found in our lives. Yeah. He is our advocate. And so it's like he advocates positionally and then practically within us too. Both. So the Holy Spirit advocates for us positionally before God and the Holy Spirit advocates for godliness within the believer. And so instead of looking at it as a negative, he's advocating for us. Yeah. Praise God for that. Yeah, we would never like... If I'm like tempted to sin without the Holy Spirit advocating for me, helping me, I'm I'm going to always sin. Yeah. I need him to do that. That's the path of least resistance. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's just a glorious truth. So God himself advocates for us through the Holy Spirit. Just stop and think about what that reveals about God. His desire for us not to sin, that he would give us a helper himself yeah, to live within us. To eternally, live within us, to help us. Eternally. I mean, it's it's honestly like there's not even words. It's such a sacred thing. It is so sacred. So what does having an advocate mean for us? The first thing it means for us is that you are not alone. Um, John 14, 16 through 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is Jesus talking that he is sending someone after him to help us, the Holy Spirit. The second thing it means for us is that you have help. Um, John 14, uh, 25 through 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Thank God we don't have to remember that all on our own. No, he brings it to mind. He brings it to mind. Yeah. But in order to bring it to mind, you you need to get familiar with scripture. Yeah. So get in yeah. a Bible study, read your Bible constantly, yes. every day. And that he teaches us through Bible study, like we're also not on our own to learn all of this ourselves. God, like the spirit, that's part of who he is. He teaches, he teaches us this. He's a teacher. Um, and then John sixteen twelve says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So we also have truth. help with truth. 
He helps us see and recognize truth. And sometimes in when you're in a setting where you're like, okay, what do I do here? Um, the spirit will convict you and will guide you and to yeah. what you should do. Red flag. This is yeah. a red flag. This give is you not flag. truth. This totally. is not truth. Or yellow flag. This is a twist of what is true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Holy Spirit and you pay it attention. Yes. The next thing is that um that like being an advocate having an advocate means for us is that you are set free. <laughs> when the spirit called you to salvation, you were set free positionally. We know that from Romans eight one. But the spirit also continuously sets you free from sin by helping you overcome it. Amen. And we also know from Romans eight six that this kind of freedom brings us peace. Like sometimes when I'm all twisted in knots, I, it is, I, it is because of sin usually for me at least, but the Holy Spirit is who helps you overcome that twisted and knots feeling by helping you repent. Exactly. You can repent of it, say, I'm, I'm sorry. I, and, and he's showing you that this needs to change. That's such a gift. Who else is going to do that for you? Because mm-hmm. a lot of these struggles with sin is an inner battle. Yeah. And the people can't always see, but the Holy no. Spirit can and knows, knows. it can help. He knows. Yes. So what does having an advocate, another thing that it means for us is that you are not done. Uh, mm. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says the Spirit still has work to do in us. Hallelujah sanctifying work specifically is work sanctifying us like that to me was so striking is like okay i'm not left like this is not the end goal for delaney right now the spirit is still in me revealing sin to me helping me this teaching me sanctifying me making me more like christ exactly exactly we're so fortunate that this is part of God's plan for us as believers. Mm -hmm. But we need to understand who he is, what his ministry is in our life. And yes, we can talk to him. We can pray to him. Um, We can ask for his help, you know. uh, And when you get those nudges, respond. Yeah. It's really, because if you stop responding Mm -hmm. to the Holy Spirit, you're going to stop your maturity. You're going to stop your peace. You're going to stop overcoming sin. You're going to stop the power to overcome sin. You're going to stop that feeling of never being alone. I mean, so we have to respond. Yeah. Or you become desensitized. I think when we don't respond, that's when it's like, it's almost, it's not like he goes away, but he, it's like, you can't hear him as well. Yeah. Well, that's when he is, you know, not only grieved, but he is uh, quenched. And responding to him is what makes you sensitive to him too. Exactly. The more And the more you respond to those, that, the voice of the Holy Spirit within you, um, the wiser and the more sensitive you're going to be to him as well. What would you say, Bev, to the sister who is listening, who feels far from the Holy Spirit right now? and can't put her finger on it, doesn't know what to do. She's been in the word. She's been confessing sin, but she just feels far. Like, what would you say to her? What would be your encouragement? I would say to her that maybe you need another sister Mm. to talk to and really share your heart with, someone who you can trust, and you can kind of talk about these feelings. And I would also ask the Holy Spirit to identify anything that is clogging <laughs> that you don't even know that I don't yeah. even know yeah. but maybe I do know but I'm resisting yeah that's because usually it. that's usually it isn't yeah, it? We yeah. Usually that there's know. something there that you're resisting um and sometimes I have found that uh you know I went into a big time depression for months and the <laughs> it is because I was denying the fact that I hadn't forgiven yeah 
it was like a cesspool in me. I had no idea it was there. He put me flat on my back. I finally realized, oh my goodness, I had such anger and hatred and unforgiveness in my heart, and I didn't even know it was there. So unresolved, like even unresolved um, trauma, too. That's what like, mine is, yeah. Yeah, like when, you know, we haven't dealt with our trauma with the Lord and like gone through the healing that he provides, that he uses the spirit to work through us. Like, yeah. that'll do it, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think get a get someone because you're in your head so much about yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. You, you kind of need to voice it. And as you voice it, it's not that this other person will have the answer necessarily. But as you voice it, you will come upon the answer within. Yeah. But you, you need to sometimes just get this out and just ask the Lord, what do I need to do? I'm not happy here. I want to be closer to you. I want to have a greater sense of your presence. I want the Holy Spirit to be actively working in my life. I feel like I have grieved or quenched him. I want more of you, God. Yeah. Do you think God wants to answer that prayer, Delaney? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we already, yeah, that's what he wants. And I, I love what you said about asking another sister because they, if they believe in Christ, they have the Holy Spirit in them too. And so you can trust the Holy Spirit in your sister. Yeah. When you tell her, like, this is what I'm feeling. I don't know what to do here. The Holy Spirit very well could use her and speak through her for you. Yeah. And so, you know, one spirit, as they say. Yes, yes. And go to God's word. Just, yeah. just read where you're supposed to be reading, you know, in your daily b- devotional or Bible or whatever. And very often, I, it's where I'm at speaks right to where I'm at. Yeah. And sometimes I think, for me, I need to ask, like, I'll be feeling you a do certain not have because you do not yeah, ask. Like I'll yes. be feeling a certain way and I'm like, uh, and I just kind of like brush it aside instead of being like, Lord, will you reveal this? Lord, please help me. Like, Lord, make me, give me this desire. Like ask. Yeah. Open my mind so I can see what's really going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. The Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful. So thankful for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I love that you brought up too that the Holy Spirit has is present throughout the whole Bible. It's not like the Holy Spirit is just a New Testament thing. Right. We see the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament. It looks differently the way that it plays out. Mm-hmm. But what a gift to us now that we get to have the Holy Spirit in us. So such a gift. And he's seldom talked about because he doesn't draw attention to himself. He mm-hmm. is his part of his role too is to glorify Christ. Mm-hmm. So when we're living to glorify Christ, we are living in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good. Yeah. Amen. Do you want to pray? I do. Lord God, oh, the wonders that you have provided for us through having faith in your Son. For now, because we have faith in him, he has sent the advocate, the one just like him, the one who is his very life, his presence within us. And we get to have him within us and securely in us, Lord. We don't have to worry, oh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. No, when we have truly committed our lives to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. We need his comfort. We need his wisdom. We need his conviction. We need his power to overcome sin. We need him in our life, Lord. Forgive us where we have grieved him, where we have quenched him, And Lord, if there's any listeners who have not received Christ so they don't have the Holy Spirit within them, if they're committing that unforgivable sin of rejecting Christ, where they will be judged, would you this day, right now, would they bow their head and say, 
Christ come in. I receive you as my Lord that, and Savior, that your blood that you shed on the cross paid the penalty for all of my sin, and I can be set free now and be filled with your Spirit. I want, I need your Spirit. And then all of us as believers, Lord, help us to continually pray, Spirit, take control. He's there, but Spirit, take control. Put your thoughts into my thoughts. Pray to him. Have him bring his ministry into your everyday life. Thank you, Father, for this great gift of your spirit. And it's in Christ's name we've prayed. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for listening, sisters, and join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming.